What's that noise? Well, hello, everybody. How are we today? Well, it's so good to have you guys. want to welcome all of you here. Let's welcome all of our first-time guests here today. Awesome. And let's do this. Let's welcome everybody who's watching online right now. Good to have you guys. Well, it is always, always, always a lot of fun around here when we kick off a brand new series. So this series is called Heartbreak Hotel, and we're kind of leveraging something very old. How many of you guys, you were around in Elvis's day? Raise your hand. How many of you guys, you have no clue who the guy Elvis is? All right, some of you, and I, and I know you know, you're old. Uh, well, there was a guy named Elvis Presley who was a regional rock star. But when he wrote and then sang on live national TV the song Heartbreak Hotel, all of a sudden he was an international success. Uh, he went from regional to like global and in that moment. And what was a cool song, a fun song, uh, lively, if you've ever heard the song itself, it's fun. But when you listen to lyric, the lyrics of it, it's sad. It's like going on Facebook and seeing someone who like put too much of their information out there. Right? It's like, uh, it's way too much like to put out there publicly. So it's this song about people who have had heartbreak and who have been out on Lonely Street. And all of us, all of us probably get being on Lonely Street. Uh, anybody ever had someone break up with you before? Or you had, a, you had a, like a betrayal in a relationship or just a bumpy ride somehow relationally? We all get that. And honestly, it actually starts when you're kids, right? When you're like Biddy. Uh, let, let me let me show you. I mean, you guys remember when you would write the notes like, "Do you like me?" Circle yes or no, and then you got smart, put maybe just because there was a chance. Like if they circled, wanted to circle no, you give them another option. Let me show you some of these kids we saw. Uh, here's here's one girl. Um, she's coming and she wrote this. No timeout. So my guys are going like timeout in the back. So. The computer is shot, so right now we may be missing some notes and some funny things. So there's one little girl, she writes this note, and she says, uh, you've, you, uh, you, know, you, you want to be my, my, my boyfriend, but uh, I don't really like you all that much. In fact, I'm dating somebody right now, and, uh, we, but when we break up, you'll be my second choice. And she says that might be in two or three months. And we've got another one that says... Uh, Mom, I went to the dance, and the dance was terrible. The girl I went with, she likes bad boys. Am I a bad boy? I hate girls. That's how, she, that's how that one ends. And then there's this, there's this one that she says, no, I will never be. No, she says, we've been, we've been, you asked me out three months ago, and you haven't spoken to me since. And we, um, you, you're so bad at this, you, I will never go out with you again. She says, and I'm doing all this verbatim pretty good, right? Because we're supposed to have it on the screens. So she says, she says that um, you, you should get married, just not to me. That's how she ends with. So anyway, so we've all had heartbreak. We all can relate. We've all had some ups and down rides. And probably some of us have been actually on Lonely Street. In fact, even Ellis himself, uh, the guy who probably has more photographs of him ever in all of the history of mankind, uh, he wrote this. He actually penned this or penciled this down, scratched it into, into a note that you can find today. It says this. He said, I feel so alone sometimes. The night is so quiet for me. I'd love to be able to fall asleep, but I probably will not rest. I have no need for all of this. 
help me, Lord. Uh, so even Elvis, like someone who is a who was, he's passed away long since uh, this was done. But he is he's 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 one of these famous guys that we look at, and even him, he's on found himself on Lonely Street. So. So here's the question. We want to dive into this conversation today. We want to ask this question. So how do we break through this, this struggle that we have, this, this relational tension that we have at times with being on Lonely Street, with having major heartbreak? How do we get off and get out of Heartbreak Hotel? How do we check out? Well, I want to start with one simple thought. And this is really sort of the basis of this entire series. This will help guide us through the rest of our series. So if you've got your message notes, we may be able to get some stuff up, back up on the screens. If not, you've got a handout that you were given today. That'll have some stuff that'll help us be, be able to guide through this conversation. But here's a simple, here's a real, real simple truth for this conversation today. It says, or we say, when you seek fulfillment first in God, you'll find more fulfillment in your relationships with others. Let me say that again, because this is huge. This is huge. If you want to really move forward in your relationships and get out of Heartbreak Hotel, this is, I'm telling you, this is the, the number one first key thought to put in your head. When you seek fulfillment first in God, you'll find more fulfillment in your relationships with others. Why? Well, because fundamentally, we think finding fulfillment is found in other people. That's just kind of how we're wired from little kids on. Somehow we think if I finally get this guy or win the heart of this girl or finally have a boyfriend or have a girlfriend, then I'll be happy. I mean, literally, that's how we think. I mean, that's how I, mean, that's how I thought when I was younger. Like, if I get this girlfriend, man, I'll be happy, right? I'm longing to be with that babe, right? I'm longing to be with that guy. That's what the girls be saying, right? So, so we, we just sort of, that's sort of just wired in us. We think if, if my marriage is perfect, then we'll have peace in my house, right? We think if my marriage is right, then I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll have joy finally. Or we'll, we'll, we'll be, we'll, we'll think if my, if my family, if my household, if we just had a little bit, a little bit less drama in our household, then thing, then, then, then we'd all be happy, right? I mean, that's kind of how, I mean, we've all thought that. That's how we're kind of wired. So Jesus, Jesus drops right down in the middle of this kind of conversation, and, and shows and models his desire to be connected to us relationally. And he does it in a real kind of, I mean, just like genius kind of like modeling uh, a lesson for us, like in live time, back in the day when he was on the earth. He shows up and makes a beeline into the city at the exact time to connect with this woman who was coming out of her you know, little common area to the, to, the, to the common area where they would all get something to drink. So Jesus shows up, and it says in John chapter 4, it says, Soon a Samaritan woman, key person, Samaritan woman, not just any woman, but literally someone who he would not normally associate with, a Samaritan woman, came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. And it says in verse 8 that he was alone at this time because all his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So at first glance, you hear Jesus say, you hear Jesus saying, give me something to drink. It's kind of like, what are you, lazy Jesus? Right? Like, well, you just show up and just like, 
Like, are you bossing somebody around? Is that how this relationship is beginning to look? Is that how this first conversation looks? Is this kind of like a like I'm coming in and I'm God? I'm like, you know, God in a body, I'm Jesus, and I'm going to kind of make you feel small by asking you to do something, or am I just being kind of lazy? Well, maybe if it was your teenager, right, because at my house, um, we hear this often. We're like, Dad, can you get me something to drink? Dad, please, will you, will you go get me something out of the fridge, right? Dad, get me something to drink. And I'll say, come on, you guys, you got two feet. Go get it yourself. Anybody ever say that to your parent? Go get it yourself. You're, I'm like 40 feet away. You're like three feet away, right? And oftentimes I'll cave in or Christy will cave in, and we'll go get it, and we'll, you know, give them what they want. And they're like, thanks, Dad, thanks. And, and here's why I do that, because I know, I know the roles will be switched one day. I'm going to be the old, old guy one day. I'm going to be like, hey, babe, to my daughter, right? Uh, hey, you know, hey, will you get me something to drink, right? And then like, hey, and come take this bedpan out and go fix. All right, back to Jesus. Um, so, so, so Jesus, something's going on here. Is he just being lazy or, you know, but here's, here's, here's what we know. In this culture, and here's what's huge about this. Here's what this is powerful. In this culture, sharing a drink with somebody literally meant that I want to connect with you relationally. It's like the watering well is is the the is the historical of our modern day Starbucks, right? Hey, you want to grab lunch? Now let's just go to Starbucks, right? Right. I remember like eight years ago, a buddy of mine was like, what's up with this whole Starbucks thing? Man, this is stupid. I don't want Starbucks. But, I mean, it, it is today coffee shops or where people hang. It's where you just want to connect relationally, right? So literally Jesus is not saying, you know, fetch me a drink. He's saying, I want to be your friend. And that's what's going on here. Jesus is saying to her, I want to know you, and I want to be a friend to you. So in verse 9, the woman surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. We know G Jesus is born Jewish. She's a Samaritan. So got this, they got this major cultural, you know, divide, a major barrier, right, where everybody who would be Jewish would be saying to Jesus and, you know, was around probably going like, what is he doing talking to that woman? Doesn't he realize who they are, those people, right? So got this maybe this racial tension feeling going on, and Jesus steps right into this, has this you know, offers this conversation with her, and Jesus says to her, or she says to Jesus, "You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. So why are you asking me for a drink?" That's the question. Why are you asking me for me for a drink? So here's the thing. Write this down in your notes this morning. If you want to start checking out of Lonely Street, or if you want to start checking out of Heartbreak Hotel and getting off of Lonely Street, relationally speaking, we've got to, number one, engage in the conversation with God. If, if you want things to start working in all the other areas of your life, we've got to, we've got to open our hearts up to the conversation that, that God's wanting to start with us. So, number one, engage in the conversation with God. You ever, guys, you ever noticed uh, phrases that girls or your wife or maybe your mom or, you know, some lady in your life says to us 
that makes us squirm in our seats, maybe even scares a lot of us. Um, my wife will say things to me like, she'll show up and say, she'll ask me, do you notice anything different? <laughs> How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? What do you do in that moment? It's like, uh, I mean, you're just like, just like backtracking, trying to figure out where, where are we going in all this? Is it a hair item? Is it an outfit item? And so you just start like, oh, your hair is great. It's not my hair. It's, it's, you know, and you're like, uh, I love your shoes. It's not my shoes, right? That, that's one of them. Another one is this. And, and girls, you, we, you know what you're doing when you do this. You know you love us, like, backpedaling. And make you, I, get, like, I get sweaty even thinking about, like, the next time I have to answer these. But do, do, do you know what day it is today? <laughs> that's, like the, that's like a loaded question. Do you know what day it is today? Yeah, it's like uh, the 21st. But that's not what they're asking. They want to know, like, what historical moment in our past that you should know in this moment to be able to bring up in this conversation. My wife, my wife we've just celebrated 23 years of anniversary. And, yeah, yeah, thank you. Very, yeah, yeah, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, she'll on, on occasion ask what date is. And I know the major dates. I've been, long, I've been married long enough. I know the big dates. I know birthday. I know, I know when we were married. And, and, but I'll forget, like, a lot of the other dates, like what date our first kiss was. What she wore on the first date where we kissed. What was the date when I proposed to her? I mean, I forget all those, and she kind of has a walking calendar in her mind. Here's the worst. The worst is when, and I feel like I'm all of a sudden like back in high school and I'm going to the principal's office, when she says, and this scares me, we need to talk. <laughs> Have you had that one happen? All right? We squirm, guys. So here's, here's, the, here's the context. Spiritually, sometimes it can feel awkward if you're new to the conversation with God, right? Sometimes you're like, I don't really know how to get into this conversation. I don't really know what to do because I'm new at this following God or, or knowing God or, you know, having a talk with God. So sometimes it can feel awkward getting into that, that conversation. But here's what you got to know about Jesus in this. Jesus initiates the conversation. She, he's initiating it. I think for some of you today, maybe a first-timer, or maybe back to church and been gone a long time and you're back, Jesus is initiating this conversation, and he's literally saying to her, I want to be your friend. I want, I want to have a relationship with you. I want us to be tight. I want, you to, I, want to, I want you to benefit by knowing me. And here's what's cool about this. He already knows everything about her. In fact, in one part of the verse, it says, he tells her to go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He goes, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now, he's not even your husband. It's like, boom, drop the mic, right? Jesus walk off. He just like showed her up, like knows everything about her. But just the opposite. He literally tells her everything she's done, right? Like brought up her, her past. Not to smack her in the face, not to belittle her, but to literally, literally show her that he loves her. And so, even though he knows her, knows all this in advance, he shows up at that well, at that moment, knowing she would show up to literally offer to her a connection, a relationship. He, notice this, Jesus is willing to step across all types of moral, racial, 
all types of boundaries, all types of layers of hurt and pain, just to start a conversation with her. I mean, this helps us grasp and see the whole character and demeanor of God. You ever wonder about who God is? Just look at his son, Jesus. I mean, literally, Jesus is God in a body. It's God in a body, and he's modeling to us what he thinks about us. And he, he, pushes, he pushes some of the struggles, racial tensions and problems away, and he just reaches into her heart and her life, and he says, I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. So what, what does that look like for us? Um, a lot of us, I think, would say, you just don't know my baggage, right? You don't know what I've done. You don't know my, you don't know my pain points. You don't know the baggage I carry. You don't know the, the divorce, the breakups, the, the private stuff, the sexual sins. You don't know all the pain I carry. And I think Jesus models that then, maybe for such a time as this now. Perhaps God sort of has you here in this moment just like he had her there in that moment, to help break through some of the problems, some of the pain points, and to say, I want to be your friend. And that's literally what's happening here. Uh, There was a guy by the name of Rich Mullins who said one time, he said, I never understood why going to church made you a hypocrite. Because nobody goes to church because they're perfect. If you've got it all together, you don't need to go. You can just go jogging with all the other perfect people on Sunday mornings. (laughs) Every time you go to church, he says, you're essentially confessing to your family, the people you pass on the way there, and the people who will greet you there, that you don't have it all together, and that you need support, and that you need their direction, and you need some accountability, and you need their their help. So when we come together, when we get together, the, the, the reason we're here is so that Imperfect people can be around other imperfect people and just come to the place where we recognize we need each other. We need each other. And so I have people all the time that will come up to me and they'll say, hey, man, you know, I'm just, I don't go to church because, well, there's, there's, nothing but hip, there's nobody but hypocrites in church. I hear that all the time. You guys ever heard that? I don't go to church because there's only hypocrites in church. So I like to mess around every now and then. I'll say, so why don't you come? There's always room for one more. Right? I mean, come on. Because that's, that's where we all find ourselves. Nobody's arrived. Nobody's kind of, I've gotten there, right? Like in like goodness speaking sake. Um, we're all on a journey together. And so it, it, that's why we keep showing up. That's why we keep, you know, saying, God, you're engaging us, so I'm going to open my heart to be engaged by you. So practically, how do we engage? That's all right. Got guys walking around everywhere. You guys still with me? Is it okay? We're, we're having some technical problems this morning. It's all good. We can walk through it. We're, we're going to be rounding the corner in about 10 minutes. Be out of here real soon. So y'all hang with me. So practically speaking, how then do we engage with God? Right? How do we, how do we, how, how does this stuff work? Right? How do we kind of really figure out this God piece? And how do we, as he's opening this conversation up with us, how do we engage with that? I'm going to give you a couple things today. This is kind of just simple stuff. Like one, really simply, is like come back. Just come back. Some of you, that's what you just need. You just need an invitation to come back. Because for some of you, this conversation is so new. It's like, whoa, it's like you're just like fire hydrant right now. Just so much of this is like, wow, I'm just kind of trying to figure things out. So I would just say come back and take, take this at your own pace. 
We're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about how those kind of go together and what that means for us. I would encourage you, at some point, we're going to launch what we call small groups. It's just groups of people that gather together around the city, um, people's homes, Starbucks, different places, uh, and get connected. Learn by connecting with other people who are on the same journey as you. So we'll launch those in a few weeks, and I would encourage you, there's one of those that's called Rooted. It's a great opportunity for you to dive down and really understand the, the big lion, lion share of the basics of, of what it is to know God and to experience Him and how to follow and how to pray and how to get connected. And I would just say, too, if you're married, you're married, and you're, you've, you came or maybe, let's just, let's just face it, there probably wasn't many men who drugged their wives here this morning. It was probably mostly women who said, hey, they're doing a new relationship series. Will you come to church today? So let's just say that if you're in a, in a relationship, you're in a marriage, and you need some encouragement, a little help, some handlebars, like, hey, i got to get a little better at this. Hey, we got a marriage retreat coming up. It's like up in Pine Mountain at a hotel. It's going to be a lot of fun, fire, the whole deal. It's going to be cool. You ought to sign up. You ought to come to it. My wife and I are going to be kind of handling the conversation piece and, and talking and kind of passing on some things where we've done good, that we've done bad. It's going to be a great setting, so I encourage you to sign up for that. Um, so, so if we're going to get out of, if we're going to check out of Lonely Street, we're going to break through um, Heartbreak Hotel. We've got to engage in the conversation with God. The second thing is this, and this is huge. I think this is, this is where this conversation goes with this woman at the well that I think where God wants to take us in the rest of our conversation. Number two is discover your true thirst. Discover your true thirst. Who knows what happens when you get thirsty? What does everybody do when you get thirsty? You go what? You go get a drink, right? Now, how many of you guys, you would say that you are major southern sweet tea people? You like sweet tea, right? And maybe you're like, maybe you're like those prude sweet tea people. You like look at it's like, no, 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 that's not real sweet tea. That's, that's packaged sweet tea. Now, how many of you guys feel like that? I know I do. When I bought this this morning, I thought, there are people out there like me who like their sweet tea, and we're going to go, ooh, that's not my kind of sweet tea. How many of you guys, you're from the north, and sweet tea's too sweet, so you kind of go half and half, half unsweet, half sweet. Yep, a bunch of you guys, those are Yankees back there, okay? <laughs> Yankees in the left rear-hand corner. All right, so... How many of you guys, you're golfers, and you go like Arnold Palmer all the way? You got a little lemonade and your sweet tea, anybody? Okay, two golfers, good. Um, how many of you guys, you're healthy people. You're like, I'm all Dasani all the way, baby. Where's all my water people? Come on, water people. Woo! We hate you. Okay, water people, water people. How many of you guys, you're from the south, and you're like, give me my Coca-Cola. Come on. I love Coke, but it's like, for, I, know, I know people, like, they could run four miles and, like, I want a water or a Gatorade at that moment. They want Coke. How many of you guys, that's you. You want Coke. Yeah, Coca-Cola. All right, so how many of you guys, you're like, you're like fierce athletes. You got off the couch this week, and you like Gatorade. You're Gatorade. All my Gatorade people, yeah, Gatorade people, because you, you need the proven hydration with electrolytes, right? Electrolytes. Got to have those electrolytes, Right? Went to the refrigerator twice, got up, my exercise is on. So here's the thing with, here's the thing with, with getting thirsty. When you get thirsty, you go get a drink. 
And when you get a drink, your thirst is quenched. And then sometime after that, you get thirsty, and what happens? You go get a drink again, right? So Jesus is referencing this. He's like, okay, everybody comes out of their city area, and they come to the well, and everybody gets thirsty, and they get a drink. And they do that multiple times throughout the day, and if, if they're smart, they fill up a big canister, they take it back to their house, and they got plenty of opportunity to drink right there. All right, so Jesus kind of takes something that's going on that's very real because he's around a well with this woman saying, I want to be your friend. And all of a sudden, he, he spins it spiritually. He makes this huge pivot and spins this, this in spiritually, and he says this in verse 10. Jesus replies, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to. Now, he, he's like, I'm, I'm God, and I'm modeling to you who God is in this moment. But if you only knew who you were talking to, you were speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you, what does he say? Living water. It's like, <laughs> living water, right? Like, she's probably going like, well, it freaks me out a little bit, living water. I don't, I don't know about the whole living water thing, right? Maybe you're kind of confused about that too. So just as strange as, as it is maybe to some of us today, when we hear Jesus say something kind of like living water, he's trying to home in on a need she's got. He's trying to home in on the fact that she's had multiple relationships, obviously searching for some sort of fulfillment that's not being fulfilled because all the guys are imperfect, right? She's got a problem with them, right? Number one, he had this problem. Number two, he had this problem. Three, four, uh, you, know, you know, that was just, I don't even know what happened. But he's recognizing there's a struggle, and he's wanting to help her. He's focusing in on her struggle. So he replies in verse 13, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will what? Never be thirsty again. So he makes this dramatic statement with the whole water thing. You can keep drinking this and you'll never be satisfied. But if you're connected to me, he says, you'll never go thirsty again. Big, huge, bold statement. And then he explains in this last part of the verse, then he explains what knowing him relationally can be like, what would, what would kind of almost like would feel like if you spend time allowing him to engage you in this conversation, you get into the conversation, you start tracking with him, you get, get some time to this spiritual growth or development in your life process, he explains what it could be like with him in a relationship. He says, it becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eter eternal life. Basically saying, when you drink the water I can provide, it satisfies you at a deeper level, a spiritual level in your life. And, and basically, he knew we all needed that. We all need what he was offering. So he's speaking of a deep-rooted life satisfaction. I remember the uh, very first time I, I told Christy I loved her. Um, I, had, I had, like, intentionally, like, decided uh, earlier in my dating life, my dad coached me up on a lot of little dating techniques. I don't know how my dad got me to listen to him. Um, but I walked away remembering and thinking, I'm never really going to 
I'm never, I'm, there's, there's going to be something that I hold back uh, in my heart. I'm never going to tell someone I love them until I, I really, 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 really believe that the, it's, it's the one that I, I'm going to marry. And so I remember thinking about this and getting to the place where I, I wanted to tell Christy, but I was kind of waiting, like, for that right moment. Well, we were getting ready to, uh, I don't know, split up for, like, uh, Christmas break, I think, uh, up in college. I was going to go home. She was going to go home. And we were kind of hugging and saying goodbye, and it just slipped out. It's like, I, I don't know, it just, my heart was pounding. I was excited. I, I was like I had something that I knew that, that, that maybe she didn't know, but I, I couldn't hold it back. And it just was like, I love you. I, I don't know how I sounded, how I said it, but it just came out. And I was like tense and nervous, like, like am I going to get hit? Is she going to re- receive it? Will, I, will there be a rejection? And obviously we were, you know, I, I felt the same vibe that I think she was feeling. And she was like, I love you too. And I remember just like being like a little kid, like skipping home afterwards. Like, oh, she loves me. She loves me. I mean, I was just like, was so excited. Like how much we just like loved. Like that, the emotion was just like, I mean, it was just wrapped up in like just butterflies and candy canes and lollipops, right? And I look back now after 23 years, I love her more now than I love her then. But I'll tell you this relationships, all of them require work. They require work. Anything that's valuable relationally, you have to put some time and effort into. I remember our very first major fight, major fight. It was over a budget conversation. (laughs) Anybody have that budget conversation? You always have, rarely do you have people that are like, we're both non-spenders in the relationship. Usually you have a spender and a saver. You know which one I am? (laughs) The spender. I'm the high relational one. So it's like, aren't we celebrating? Aren't we on vacation? Isn't this dinner like supposed to be like the greatest last? What if this is our last? I'm always, I'm notorious. My kids will always say, I'm always saying, let's let's make a memory. I'm always about making a memory. Those memories add up over time, all right? So it's a good thing I married my wife. So I remember we're, 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 uh, we're on a, I mean, a, a very, very detailed line item budget uh, and very determined. We were both very agreed and very determined that we're going to pay off all my college debt. She had scholarships. I hate those people, by the way. <laughs> she had all, she had Magnum Coulade, Kool-Aid, whatever. She had all the scholarships. <laughs> had no scholarships. Um... So we're paying off my college debt, paying off a credit card, lots of dates when we were in college. Don't do that, you guys. Um, and so we're, we're serious. We're, we, one year, we're paying it all off. And so we're in Publix, and we're getting all the normal stuff that we would eat. Like, literally, our menu every week was the silver can of Lasour peas on rice. That was a meal. Uh, a baked potato with Bush's baked beans on top with cheddar cheese. That was another meal. And Raymond noodles. And like an occasional uh, ragu and spaghetti with no meat. And so we're, we're like, I'm like, we're, we're walking through there, and I'm wanting to grab stuff, and I'm, I'm backing off, backing off. We get to the meat section. And I'm like, chicken, fish, steak, hamburgers, right? And so I, I'm like, I'm the man of my house. I walk up, up in that steak place, and I grab a $3 steak. Put that in the buggy, and my wife's like, uh-uh, no, 
no, you're not having a steak. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm having a steak tonight. And we, we go back and forth, and it, I'm telling you, it, it gets escalated. To, I thought, like, it was going to be like a knockdown drag out because I was, I, was, I was determined I'm going home with a steak tonight. And she was determined, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> and, and I don't remember how it all ended. Um, did we get the steak or not? We did. Okay, I don't remember that part. But, but I got the steak. But that was, that was a bad memory. And what I want to say about all that is this. Relationships take, relationships take work. And you're going to have some ebb. You're going to have some flow. You're going to have some highs. You're going to have some lows. You're going to see some things in your spouse that you want to change. And we know the only person on planet Earth that you can change is who? Moi. So the point is this. The way after 23 years, the thing that we've learned about each other and about this God piece and what has really, really allowed us to stay together and be closer and more in love now than we ever were before is this. And, and, and I, I don't think we have this in your notes. And I don't know if we have our screens working back. Are the guys, are we back up? No? Yes? Yes. Okay. So let me, let me show this to you. And if you have a place to write this down, this is, what we, this is what we've come to really understand in our relationship, what makes us, ma- makes us work and helps us get through those bumpy times. It's this. We acknowledge that the primary needs in our lives are not met by each other. That's huge. That's huge. We acknowledge that the primary needs, things that I need to fulfill me and things that she needs to fulfill her, are net, not met by each other. That's really simply too much for either one of us to bear. I can't be that for her, and she cannot be that for me. But through our relationship with God. Go back, it goes back to that first point we make. If we put God first relationally, then all the other relationships we have in our life will be better for it. See, all of a sudden, out of that relationship I have with God, all of a sudden, I'm empowered. I have, I have greater ability to be loving to my, my spouse and my kids. Out of that relationship with God, all of a sudden, I'm able to forgive when someone denies me a stake many years ago. I can let it go. Think about it. If Jesus went all the way to the cross for you and for me, then we should be able to forgive when, when when our kids are deceptive. You know, they all are. They're wrestling through all that, right? We should, be able to, we should be able to let go and, and not just squash and crush and lie, let, it, let it just eat us all up. We, if Jesus went all over the cross for us, we should be able to forgive and let things go. So because of what he's doing in me, I can love. Because of what he's doing in me, I, I have a better, much better frame of thinking and attitude and ability to forgive. So because of my relationship with God, I can forgive. And you know what? You can't change. You can't change them anyways. All you can do is love them. Have you guys ever heard of Billy Graham? Uh, sort of a famous preacher guy. Uh, would host big, massive events and like 
50, even 80,000 people would show up, and he would just talk about Jesus. And many people over the years, hundreds of thousands of people, have bowed the knee and made Jesus the leader and forgiver of their life because he would just simply talk about Jesus so simply and basically and pray up, pray all these events up in advance. But his wife, Ruth Graham, she had said this, and I, I, I never forget hearing her say this one time. She says, my job is to love Billy. God's job is to change him. See, some of us, I think, we think, it's my job to change my spouse. It's God's job to love him. No, it's not. It's our job to love them because of God in me allows and helps me to love them. It's God's job to change them. That's God's responsibility. I can't do that. She can't do that for me. Only I can do that for myself. So when it comes to Heartbreak Hotel, our true thirst, our real thirst, can only be quenched by being connected with God. So let's do this. I want to finish up today basically by asking you to think about what your next step would be. What's your next spiritual step? Because I think some of us today, you, you potentially feel God connecting with you. Kind of maybe your heart's pounding and maybe you're realizing, yeah, I've done that or I've done this and maybe, wow, this is making sense to me. So here's what I want us to do. I want, maybe, maybe this is a season. Maybe God's brought you here for just this series. That's cool. Maybe God's brought you here for this series and, and be a part of this conversation so that you could focus on yourself spiritually. Maybe, maybe not look at anybody else, but look at you. So if you're single, rather than focusing on getting a date, maybe focus in on being dateable, right? Rather than like, what can I do? Where can I go? Where do I find that girl? Where do I find, where do I find that guy? So let's focus in on us. What can I do to become better, better dating material, right? Let's work on me. And maybe if you're married, uh, instead of going to bed at night, mad at your spouse and like laying there half of the night thinking about how you're going to wake up in the morning and, and like have the greatest comeback angle, you know, way to win this argument of all times. Rather than doing that, why, why, don't, why don't you just think, God, what, what can I do in me? What, what, what God, do you want to do in me? If you're married... Um, we have, we have, over the years, we've invited couples to go out on dates. Like, uh, we'll, we'll do this on our marriage retreat. We'll, we'll encourage people, like, now after you, you've heard some of this stuff, we want you to go practice it. So over the years, we've encouraged couples who've been married to go out on dates. And for some, that's, that's been a difficult thing because you haven't, like, like dated and, like, some of you for years. And so we had one couple that went out on a date one time, and they came back, and they said, hey, like, in the first couple hours, it was going terrible. Like, every conversation led into, like, a fight. We talked about the kids, and it was like, then we were talking about our money, and then we were talking about future, and it was just like, it was stale, and we were getting mad at each other, and it was going terrible, and all of a sudden, she says, my husband did something he never never has done in our marriage before. He grabbed me by my hand, and he said, let's pray and ask God for help. And she said, "My, my jaw dropped. One, I'd never... I never heard him pray to, he never like gave up or like paused 
and we never together ever in our marriage actually said, let's go to God who wants to help us. And he, she said, he, he took my hand. And she goes, I don't even think he even knew or had thought about what he wanted to say. He just basically said, God, help us. God, just help us. She goes, I'll never forget that. Guys, can I, can I give you a clue? <laughs> Your wife thinks you're hot when you do that. Okay? Ladies, what would it, let, let me, I just want you, I, I want your opinion, ladies. What would it mean to you if your man took that role on, that leadership role on spiritually? Would you like that? Yeah. Uh, guys, I'm helping you out here, okay? Guys, she, let me just say it a little more clearly, because, again, we're trying to keep this uh, as clean as we can. Guys, she would really be into you, okay? So what I'm saying is, guys, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, this conversation is, 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 is part of this is for you personally, for you to say, I'm not going to try to fix her. I'm going to work on me. What does God want to do in me? Maybe God wants to lead me to take more of a spiritual leadership role in my household. So here's what I'm going to do. I want to close. And I just want to ask us to just have a moment with God where we say, God, what do you want to be speaking to me right now? God, I want to I, I, I be open to this conversation with you. God, help me to be open to it. So let's pray. Lord, I want to say thank you for your grace. I want to say thank you for your love. God, I thank you so much that you have given us just a very simple visual conversation with going to where somebody was at who was bruised up, who was hurt, who is just unlovable in so many different ways, but God, you modeled grace. You modeled love. And I just know that there's a, a room full of people that we could all use more grace. God, because we're not perfect, because we're, we, are, we are simple. We have made huge mistakes. So Lord, I pray for the man, I pray for the woman, I pray for the, the child here today that would say, I, I want to know God. I, I want to be connected to God. I want to be... A, I wanna be I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you here today, here's what I want to do. I just want to pray. And if that's where you're at, you would say, I want to be in with Jesus. I, I, want to know, I want to know salvation. I want to have his grace. I want to be forgiven. But I'm just going to offer up a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to pray along with me. All right? Scripture says if we, if we confess with our mouths, we believe in our hearts, the Bible says that we'll be saved. That we'll have hope on this earth, and we'll have eternity in heaven with God. So, God, we love you, and I thank you for the, the incredible service we had last hour and today, this moment we're having in this conversation. And, God, I pray for the man, the woman, the child here today that would say, I need you. Save me. God, I pray right now in this moment they would simply say with their hearts and, and minds and, and, and whatever lifted to heaven that we would just say, God, would you come into my heart and save me today? Today I want to make you the leader and forgiver of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And I just want to do this with, with every head bowed and every eye still closed. If you prayed that prayer today, will you just raise your hand and just wave at me so I can know that was you all over the room. Yes, 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 yes. Church, we can celebrate. God, we love you so much. We thank you that today many people have bowed the knee and said yes to you. God, for the rest of us that are like maybe already Christ followers, and we've been, it's been bumpy. Lord, I pray that you would just open us up to re-engaging this conversation with you. Be open to you leading us to a whole new place with you spiritually. To maybe to come back 
to maybe to take the next step of saying, I'm going to lead my wife in a prayer. I'm going to pray this week myself. God, wherever you're at, wherever we're at with you, God, lead us to the next step. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much for your grace. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you.